Good morning. It's so good to be here. Worship was amazing. Hello. Do you do you have worship like this every week? Oh my. When you when you go to heaven, you're going to want to come home on the weekends, aren't you? Huh? I've come to the conclusion, I've been with you all weekend and been with your leaders and had a great time. I, I've come to the conclusion there's no place like this place, anywhere near this place, so this must be the place, huh? Hope City. I love the title because you're giving hope. And as I was listening to Jeremy talk about what you're doing around the world, you're, I mean, you're, you're Hope City for Houston, but you're Hope City for the world. And this is just very exciting for me to be here with you. I love your pastor. Okay, now I, I know leadership. I've written a book or two on it. <laughs> I know leadership and I hang with a lot of leaders. And I want you to understand, I think you know this already, but if you don't know this, my name's John, I'm your friend. <laughs> if you don't know this, I'm here to tell you that in Jeremy, you have one of the great pastor leaders in the world, and he's right here at Hope City. Unbelievable. And, and, and he has great parents. I mean, St. Paula, motivating Mark. I mean, I'm telling you just, I mean, I mean he ought to be good. After you, read, after you see his parents, you think, you ought to really be good. You really ought to be good. And, and and so to be with you today is an honor. I love I love mentoring him. Sean Epstad is here. Sean, I love you. This Sean, these are like these are like my sons to me. I mean, they really are. I just pour my life into them, and they they're just the finest finest leaders. And I'm just so privileged. I mean, my whole life now is pouring. I'm 74. My whole life now is just pouring into young leaders. Like them, and, and, and because this is where the, this is Maxwell Mall, a math. This is Maxwell Math. You pour into leaders, and they add value to others. They multiply, and, and so to be able to be with you, Sean, and to be with you, Jeremy, I love you too. And I, I'm going to read you something. You're you're so young. First of all, you're just young. You're, gosh, it's. I look out. I said it's a church full of kids. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you're just young. And, and what's sad is you don't get wisdom till you're 65. I mean, some of you got a long wait. You got, I mean, it's going to be a long time. See, when you're young, God gives you energy, but no wisdom. And then when you're old, he gives you wisdom and no energy. <laughs> He's got a great sense of humor, doesn't he? I mean, he just really does. And, and so I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you understand life because you're just too young to understand life and we all ask questions about life. And, and, and so, but I'm going to read this to you and in two minutes you're going to understand life and I'm going to give you wisdom and, and you're just going to walk out here. This is going to be huge for you. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you're about to understand life. Tell them that. You're just about to, yeah. Well, that was good. In fact, look back at him and say, why do you think I brought you here today? Hello. So, so here we go, here we go. On the first day God created the dog and God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anybody that goes by. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years, I'll give you back the other 10. And God agreed. So on the second day God created the monkey. He said, entertain people, do monkey tricks, make them laugh. I'll give you a 20 year lifespan. And the monkey said, how boring. 
Monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10 years, so that's what I'll do too, okay? God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow. God said, you must go out in the farmer, out in the field. You get all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk to support the farmer. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, that's kind of a tough life. You want me to live for 60 years? Just give me 20 and I'll give you back the other 40. And God agreed. So on the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. I'm going to give you 20 years. Man said, what? Only 20 years? I'll tell you what. I'll take my 20 and then add the 40 that you gave the cow and the 10 you gave the monkey, the 10 that you gave the dog that makes 80 years okay. And, and, and God agreed. So that's why the first 20 years we eat, sleep, play. I see the train are coming. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. And then for the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. <laughs> For the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and we bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> oh, you've just had life explained to you. Okay, get ready. Let's take some notes. I want to give you four perspectives about possessions. Biblical teaching about how we handle our stuff. And the reason I'm doing this lesson is because, as you know, you're in a very important time in the, the life of Hope City. And, and this is a time where we all can become a, a vital part of seeing God do an incredible miracle, not only here but around the world. But your perspective about your possessions, your stuff and my stuff, our perspective is going to determine how we respond. And um, perspective is, is vital in a person's life. How we how we view things is how we do things. And so when a person gives me their viewpoint, I already know what course of action they're going to take. And so how I view my stuff, how I view my possessions is going to determine what I do with those possessions. How you do it, it's, 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 we all are going to follow our perspective. And I want to give you four perspectives, three of them coming out of the story of the Good Samaritan. And then there's a final fourth one I'll give you after the story. But you know the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read it here in a moment. But a, a, an attorney came to Jesus one day and he asked a question, who is my neighbor? And the response of Jesus really was the response of the Good Samaritan story. Let's go. In reply, Jesus said, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. It's interesting. We'll stop here for a moment. Jesus wanted to make sure that we knew that both the priest and the Levite saw the man. So it's not like they passed him and he just 
wasn't visually in their eyesight. He, he wants to make sure two things. They saw him and then they passed to the other side of the road. They didn't go to the other side of the road. Why, why did they go to the other side of the road? Because, because they saw the man that was robbed. Okay, that we're talking about perspective here. So let's go on with the story. But a good Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he was traveling, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And then Jesus asked the attorney, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law said, replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let's look at four perspectives. Number one is the robber. The robber's perspective is very simple. What is yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. He saw this man going down to Jericho from Jerusalem. And basically he said, I'm going to rob him. I'm going to take what is his and I'm going to make it mine. And when I talk about the robber's perspective, we all kind of look at each other and say, well, John won't need to take long here. Because we're not robbers. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're certainly a grade above the robber for sure. I'm assuming you're not beside a robber. I mean, if you... If you aren't certain, you can kind of look again and just check. You know, if you kind of sense you are, just raise your hand and, you know, point. Or... But I want you to know that although we want to distance ourselves from this robber's perspective that what is yours is mine and I'm going to take it, I just want you to know that we all have a little robber in us. We really do. We're born in sin. And if you don't think you have a little robber in you, Think of your toddlers. They're born robbers. I mean, have you ever, ever understood and witnessed the property law from a toddler's perspective? I mean, and when a toddler, I mean, you watch a toddler. Here, here's, here's how they see possessions. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. We, we've got, every one of us have this selfishness, you know. I, I was talking the other day about the difference between selfishness and significance. And I said, neither one, they're, they're not compatible at all. And I was talking about selfishness is all about us and significance is all about others. And, and I literally had a person come up to me afterwards and, and said, I, I know you talked about selfishness. But he said, I just want you to know I, I'm not a selfish person. And I smiled. I said, well, okay. You're delusional. Of course we're selfish. We all have that little selfishness inside of us. Come on. If you don't think you're selfish, the next time somebody takes a group picture of you and your friends, when you look at that picture, I see the train coming. 
Who is the first person you look for in that picture? Come on, me. And if you look good, you say, great picture, great. Send it to me, send it to me, send it to me. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't look good, you say, oh, oh, come on, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's, Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You determine the whole picture based on you. Let's go to perspective number two. You're so good. You're so fun to t- teach. Oh my gosh. He's got a clock down here and tells me I have 16 minutes and 57 seconds. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm just getting started and he's doing this to me like it's like we're at Cape Canaveral or something and we're in a countdown. You got to. But what, I mean, what kind of a sissy schedule is this you've got here? What do you mean? I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm mentoring Jeremy, and I, I went to his Bible study yesterday, and he had a 30-minute Bible study. Well, in 30 minutes, I was just getting started, and the, you're, those men were just digging in, and mash, mash, mash. I've been looking around. I think there's a fire alarm or something going off. And, I mean, a 30-minute Bible study. I said, well, you got a sissy study here. Now, you got a sissy service here. Jeremy, as soon as this is over, we're men- I'm doing some more mentoring. I'm, I'm t- we're going to get the sissy out of him. What do you think? Amen. Let's get the sissy out of him. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Dad, you never taught him that, did you? You never, he never learned sissy from you. No, no, no. I told those men next week he was going to pass out pink Bibles for you guys. Oh, Lord. Sissy. My name, my name's John and I'm your friend. Perspective number two. Come on. The second perspective. Okay, we're not the robber. We got through that. We're not the robber. No, no, we're above that. Let's look at the second perspective. This is the perspective of the priest and Levite. What is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. You see, when they saw the man in need that was robbed, they didn't feel any need to help him because they said, well, I, I feel bad for that. I, I shouldn't have happened. Oh, I wish, I wish he would have been robbed. But after all, what's mine is mine, and, and I'm going to keep it. And, they, and in fact, they made sure they kept it. They went clear to the other side. Selfishness. I have a friend, and we were talking, and, and, and he just gave me a great story that just really connects with this what is mine is mine, and, and, and I'm going to keep it. He said, he had a 12-year-old son. He said, he loves McDonald's fries. <laughs> Don't we all? I mean... There's just nothing quite like McDonald's fries. Just smell them. When we get to heaven, we'll have McDonald's fries. No calories in them. No calories. In in fact, it'll be health food. You'll have to you'll have to take fries every day to keep the doctor away. 
Yeah, he, it's going to be health filled. And, and so he took his son. He you know, couldn't drive himself. So he took his son, got him a big pack of fries, sat down at the table with him. He's talking to his boy and, and he's smelling these fries. He's looking at these fries. And, and finally, he did what any of us would do at a table. He reaches over. I mean, he said, my gosh, I think I need to have a couple of those myself. And he reaches over and he gets just about ready to pick up two or three fries out of that pack. And his son grabs his dad's hand and pushes it away. He said, no, no, you can't have any of these fries. He said, these fries are mine. And he said, John, I pulled my hand back and I looked at my boy. As he said, as a father, I thought immediately three things. Number one, he doesn't understand where those fries came from. I'm the source. I drove him to McDonald's. I went to the counter. I paid the money. I got the price. Without me, he has no fries. I'm the source. He doesn't understand. I'm the source. Number two, he doesn't understand. I can take those fries from him. In fact, he said, I was thinking about doing it right then. I just reach over and say, if you're going to have that kind of attitude, you don't get any fries. And boom, I'm going to take those fries from you. He said, he, said, he doesn't understand. I'm not only the source, I'm in control. I can take those fries from him. Or he said, if I want to, I can go back up the counter and I can order 30 packs of large fries. I can go back to the table and I can dump them on him and I can bury him in French fries. And as soon as he talked about burying him in French fries, I thought, oh my God. What a way to go. How did did Maxwell die? A fries avalanche. (laughs) We tried to rescue him three times and he pushed us away. Well, I mean, what a way to go. He said, he said, my son doesn't understand. I'm the source. He doesn't understand. I'm in control. He said, the third thing he doesn't understand is that I don't need his fries. I can get my own fries. I can leave him alone at the table. I can go back over there and I can order a big pack of fries. I can sit down and I can have my fries and he can have his fries. I don't need his fries. And he said, then I thought of his father. I don't need his fries, but it would certainly be nice to share them with him. And he said, that's exactly how God thinks about us. When we get selfish with our possessions and say, wait, 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 wait a minute. These are mine. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. We forget that God's the source. We have nothing without him. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. We don't even forget that he's, he's in control. He can take those fries from us. We forget he doesn't need our fries. Isn't it amazing? What amazes me about God? I mean, honestly, if I were God, I would do some things a little different than he does. I mean, the God who created the heavens and earth, I've always wondered why God would use us. Why, why he would want to include us. I mean, if I were God, I think a lot of times I'd just look at us and I'd say, I'd rather do it myself. But he chooses to use us. He chooses to use you. I mean, he can do the miracle, but he uses, I mean, when he, when, when he wants to multiply the loaves and fish, 
He's got to find a kid that will give him a few loaves and few fish to work with. I mean, when Jeremy talked about the, the, the you know, Lazarus and, 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 and unwrap him and, and move the stuff. You see, it's amazing. This infinite God, he, he uses us. And so when we have this attitude, this perspective that what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. It's a wrong perspective. Now we're going to go to third perspective. We, we've left the, what's, <laughs> what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. And what's mine and mine, I'm going to keep it. The good Samaritan gives us now. He gives us a higher level. I, I think Hope City is filled with good Samaritans. I know you're filled. For, you, 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 it's already been proven. When he gave all the stats of all the people you're helping around the world, that's good Samaritan perspective. See, and a good Samaritan perspective is what is mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. I love that. He looked at the man who had been robbed. He didn't know who that man was, but he said, oh, I've got a responsibility here. I need to go over and help him. And he literally took his wine, his oil, his bandages, his time, and he went over there and he just started, he started wrapping out. Now, let me, let me say something about the priest Levite, the Good Samaritan. They had three things that very much in common. They had three similarities. One is that they all saw the problem. Jesus says they all saw him. They all had an opportunity to help. And they all had a reason not to help. And let me tell you something. When you are selfish, when you're living in this world, what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. The reason you're selfish is you don't want to be inconvenienced. I mean, if you, if you stop to help the guy, you're going to miss lunch in Jericho. And so selfish people, they never want their agenda to be inconvenienced. It's, it's kind of like, well, this is my, these are my plans and this is my, these are my possessions. And, and, and the priest and the Levite, they had a selfish perspective. Their perspective was, if I do stop, what will happen to me? And their answer was, I will be inconvenienced. And the good Samaritan says, if I do stop, if I do not stop, what will happen to me? And he said, if I don't stop, I'm going to get a hard heart. I'm going to get a selfish heart. I'm going to get a calloused heart and a calloused life. And if I don't stop, I'm certainly not going to help him. But if I do stop, it's, it's, going to, it's not only going to help the robber, it's going, to, it's going to change me. Now, three perspectives so far. There's one more that's not in the story that I'm going to give you. It, but it's the overarching biblical perspective. This is just a perspective of possessions from this one story. What's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. What's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. What's mine is yours, I'm going to give it. But there is a level... A life-changing transformation level about possessions that I just passionately desire for you to move up to today. Today. And this will change your life. So look at the person sitting beside you and say, don't miss perspective four. Don't miss it, don't miss it, don't miss it. Now let me just stop here for a moment. The reason I had you do that is because I've been watching you now as Cape Canaveral time has been going down. <laughs> I've been watching you. I've been watching you. And I've noticed that you're very sharp. You're, you're, you're with it. You're leaning in. You're taking notes. You're, you're just catching it. You're just, you got it. And I love that. But, but what I've noticed is the person on your left is not quite as sharp as you are. They're just a little slower, honest to God. They're just, yeah. Uh, oh, it's amazing. 
you noticed it too, didn't you? You know, I, I mean, I'm looking at you. Some of you are just, yeah, oh yes, oh yes, oh my God. I noticed it. So, so, so this, this fourth point is so important. Look at that person, you know, that's a little slower than you and say, it's okay, I'll help you. Go ahead and tell them that. It's okay. I, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Isn't this fun, huh? All right, we're ready now. I'm going to help you. Perspective number four. I really want you to move up to this level. This will change your life. Number four. I'm going a little slower. We're doing it for the person on your left. Are they ready? Yeah, that's it. Okay, okay. Perspective number four. What is mine is not mine. And I'm going to manage it. This is a whole different level. When I look at my possessions, the first thing I understand is my possessions aren't mine. They're God's. They're not mine. It's not my stuff. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's not mine. Now, the moment that I realize that my stuff, my possessions are not mine, everything changes in my perspective about them. You know, when I was having fun with you a moment ago and talking to you about the person on your left, I looked over here a little bit to my left and I, my friend Jerry texted me between services and he's here and I didn't know he's going to be here and he wanted to go to lunch and I haven't seen him for a while. So I said, okay, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll do lunch. And then I remembered that, you know, Jerry's a little cheap. It's okay. I have a few cheap friends. And so he's going to expect me to pay for the lunch. And then I look, and I realize that all my stuff is in the car because I'm supposed to be after a while going to the plane and the whole process. And so I don't have any cash. And so I got to think while I'm talking to you. And since we're really getting acquainted and becoming friends, I thought maybe somebody would like bring me a hundred dollars and, and then I could, you know, I could pay for the lunch and, and, you know, and it. Now that's the reason I mentor that boy. <laughs> right, right there, right, right there's the reason. And, and I know, well, I got to finish this message anyway. Okay. Let's see, where was I? Oh, shoot. Okay, I was on perspective for before. Okay, okay. Now, I want to go on, but you're all just looking at me like, what just happened? John just needed a hundred bucks and Jeremy runs up there and gives him a hundred bucks and why did Jeremy give him a hundred bucks and and even a more important question you should be asking yourself why didn't I bring him a hundred bucks well let, let me explain something to you the reason Jeremy was so quick to bring me the hundred dollars 
is before the service, I gave him. I gave him this $100. And I said, Jeremy, during my sermon today, I'm going to ask for $100. And would you just bring back to me what is mine? Even the person on your left can get this one. You see, he's so quick to bring it to me because he knows it's not his money. And when you and I start trying to get cheap on God, we start resisting and pulling back and saying, well, no, I, I, that seems like a little, little bit too much. Can I tell you, the reason you have a battle giving money is because you think it's yours. It isn't yours. It's his. All you do is manage it. And so when I came this weekend to serve you and to love you and to add value to your church and to be with my beautiful friend, Jeremy, I came with a heart to help you. And then I sat in a couple of sessions and I, I saw the silos. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, what a great place. I mean, whenever you want to describe where your church is, all you got to do is say silos. And everybody in Houston says, got it got it. I mean, and can you imagine the marketing with silos? If you feel low, go to the silo. <laughs> just, just give me a week. Just give me a week. Could you, could you just give me a week? Could you just, I, I just, I, 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 I caught the vision. I told Jeremy last night, I said, Jeremy, I know I came out to serve you and love you and help you and add value to you, but I've got to be a part of this. I've got to be, I, I, I want to make a commitment. I, I want to, in fact, after being here, I want to join this church. I live in Florida. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I mean, I said, I, I, I said, I, I, got, I can't just come and speak for you. I, I got to, I gotta, I gotta give you some money. And he said, Oh, thanks for your gift. And I said, I remind, Oh my gosh, it, it's, it's no problem. It wasn't my gift anyway. It's God's. You see, I'm just, I'm just the, I'm just the pass along boy. I'm just the pass along boy. Yeah, you, see, you see, God will only give to you what he knows flows through you. I'm just, I'm just the delivery boy. I'm just, I'm just passing it on. Yeah. Isn't this incredible? I mean, if you, if you had an overnight package you wanted to send to a friend and you took it down to the delivery place and you gave it to him, called your friend the next day, they didn't have the package. You went to the delivery place and you said, you didn't get my package to my friend. The guy said, oh, oh, I thought that was for me. Oh my gosh, I took that home. Oh, it's not for you. You're just the delivery boy. I'm God's delivery boy. And you're God's delivery girl. Come on now. You're, you're, hey, he, he just blesses you with possessions to turn it around and pass it on to him. This is a beautiful thing. And I now, I came to bless you. And now I'm going to get a blessing. That's so stinking selfish. I'm going to get a blessing. I came to bless you, but now I'm 
putting, I, I'm taking some of God's money and managing it and stirring it and I'm putting it into, into Hope City and I'm going to be part of this. When, when, when this building is built out there and thousands of people's lives are being changed, I'm going to go by there and I'm going to be so stinking proud. I'm going to say, I got a part in there. I sowed seed over there. Huh? Oh yeah. You can, hey, you can run back. You can share your friends. I'm part of the silo investment organization. Oh, it's beautiful. I just love Jeremy's approach. I love the fact that he just shares with you what the need is. And then he trusts God to speak to you. I, I love that. That's, a, that's what I call a spiritual mature approach. He doesn't have to work it up and he doesn't have to kind of move it up a little bit and kind of work, motivate you. He, he just basically says, here's where we are and here's what the need is. And, 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 and we don't have a billionaire. So we need all of you to help. And every one of us are going to be a, have a little peace in this incredible kingdom work. And so what I want to do, if you allow me, is I'd like to close in prayer. And I'm going to pray that God will take you to level four. Hmm? How many of you want to be level four? Come on. Oh, I love this. I love this. Lord, you see the hands that were raised. You see the hands are clapping. These people are obedient people. They're in love with you. And they're in love with the, what God is doing in Hope City. And they're in love with the fact that you would choose them. That you would choose them to be a part of something bigger than all of us. And so I just ask God that that you'll just take them to level four. That they'll, they'll graduate from Good Samaritan School. And they'll just go one level up higher and just say, I got it, I got it. What's mine isn't mine. It's all yours, God. But I'm going to steward it and I'm going to manage it. And I'm going to pass it on. And I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a river, not a reservoir. Make every one of these people rivers, Lord. Rivers, Hope City Rivers just flow through them and bless them and Lord as they make their commitments I pray you will bless their home their family their health put a hedge around them keep the devourer from them and I would pray that you would take them in 2021 to a spiritual level like they have never been before because they all of a sudden realize you are the source and it's all yours and they're just having a little part in the kingdom and they're passing on so bless them in the name of Jesus I pray and everybody said God bless you. I love you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Oh. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let Dr. John Maxwell be a member of Hope City, won't we? Actually, we kind of need a church grandfather. Would you do that? Oh. I can be your papa. Papa John, how's that, huh? I'm in. I'm in. Thank you very much. Love you too, man. The original Papa John. Come on, guys. Give him a great big hand. I love you. You can be seated. I just so appreciate him. He takes me further faster every time I'm with him. You can be seated. That's John trying to go down the stairs back there. I'm grateful that uh, that he was with us. He had a he has a kind of a bum leg. If you don't mind, don't anybody go anywhere. I see some of you guys moving towards the doors. If you'll just wait, that would help me a lot. Um, th- this is we, we haven't got to the most important moment of the service. And the most important moment of the service is 
we give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. And that's that's where that's what this is all about. I love that we give you an opportunity to sow in, be a part of giving towards what God is doing. And and I, I feel more confident in unapologetically telling you, hey, we can't do it if you don't if you don't do it. God gives me vision. I've got huge vision. You know what? I don't even really need any help with vision. I got it. Anthony Miner, Anthony Michelle, you are doing an incredible job with our missions team. Anthony came to me the other day. We're feeding 50,000 people. We're out there. My kids are out there. My son, Gunner, was hurling cliff bars into the back of people's trucks. We had to change him from chips because he was throwing chips in there. He was killing the chips. We we're like, this is cliff bars. You, can, you can't destroy those things. And Anthony came up to me and I said, dude, you're doing such an incredible job. He said, I can't wait till we have a dream center. So we have a dream center where we're serving our community, where people are coming in and out of here every day, all day. I said, Anthony, I can't wait till we have six dream centers or 12 dream centers. I'm telling you, the vision for our church is massive. But your generosity controls the pace at which we accomplish what God has placed in our hearts. So I'm asking you to pray about it and do what the Lord has laid in your heart. And I will tell you this. I won't tell you the exact amount, but I will tell you that Dr. Maxwell, it's, it's not... When he said he's going to sow in, he is, he is, he has quickly become one of our most significant donors. He's given a very, very generous gift this week. So thank you, Dr. Maxwell. Kind of messes me up that I was 12 watching him teach and he's sowing into our vision now. That's pretty awesome. So I just thank you. I will ask you to pray. Just grab this card and and pray over it. I'm asking you to grab it and pray over it. Those of you who are online, if you're watching online, this church has blessed you. I'm asking you to sow in, to pray about what God would have you to do. Make a one-time commitment to help us break ground. And then make a two-year commitment and say, all right, by faith, we believe this is what God's going to have us to do. I believe God's going to bless us. I didn't even want to do cards. A couple of years ago when we did the silos campaign, I, in fact, I told the church, I was like, we're not going to do cards. And then the bank was like, we kind of need to see the cards, the commitment cards. I was like, oh, we're going to do commitment cards. I'm not super great at this, but what I'm super great at is understanding that without this, we don't do what God has called us to do. It's going to take us actually going all in. And this is an opportunity for you to say, I want seed in the ground for what God is doing. I don't want to just be a taker. I don't want to just be a consumer. I don't want to just have a consumer mindset. I actually want to sow in. I want to be a part of the foundation of building this thing. So for years to come, I'll be able to look to it and say, I'm a part of that. I was in the room. God used us. God used our family. And I can tell you this. He will bless you. And it makes so much sense that he left the $100 up here. Makes so much sense. Here's why. Because Dr. Maxwell has told me this. He's told me this. Unforgettable generosity changes everything. And you can never outgive God. And he said, I want to be, he, he told me this. He said, I want to give the way that God gives. And he showed me a year ago, I had the opportunity to be with him. It was his birthday. And I know he likes Mont Blanc pens. So we bought him a Mont Blanc pen and a Mont Blanc uh, uh, journal, which I mean, it was, it was a pretty good gift. A little logo makes it worth money. Like this, I told Jen, I was like, this is a really good gift gave it to him. He was so gracious. And then I saw him again at the end of last year at a little conference. This was small. There's 40 of us in the room. 
and he was talking about unforgettable generosity. And he said, my friend Jeremy did something very unforgettable for me. He got me a Mott Blanc pen. He said, my favorite pen. And he got me a Mott Blanc journal. And he said, what a great gift. And he said, he has no idea that I don't use a journal. I was like, awesome. Thanks, Doc. And he said, so I thought, what should I do with this journal? And he said, so Jeremy, will you come up here? I walked up there. And he handed me the journal. And on every page, front and back, he had written me a note. It took him six months to do it. And on the back page, he had written down all the things that his father had taught him. And it just said, I love you, John. And he said, this is the first edition, the only edition, John Maxwell original, and it's yours. And I just burst into tears and it was amazing. And And then he turned and he said, this is how God gives. When you give to God, God thinks of a way to outgive you because he will not be undone. When you give, God goes, oh no, I'm not going to owe you. I'm going to pour something in you, press down, shaking together and running over. So trust me, get in on what God's doing. And here's why. We'll boil it down to this very, very simply because it's changing lives. Three weeks ago, I preached everything that I could. I preached as hard as I could. And I walked upstairs. And when I went upstairs, our team played a little video. When they played the video, it wrecked me because it is the reason. It is my why. This is my why. Told our team, I said, I want to play it on this weekend. They were like, we've already played that video. I was like, I don't care. We'll play it again. And I want, you want to know why I do what I do? Why we work? Why we serve? Why we love? Why we give? It's for Jose. Take a look at this. I was atheist. I lived that atheist lifestyle. Me and my brother, my dad told us to um, go get food. Like he wanted to stay with my mom because he wanted to talk to her. I thought it was going to be like a small talk. So me and my brother went to go get food. And when we came back, I saw my mom crying with a, with a bruise in her eye. I seen the police come, like they started knocking on the door. I saw my dad in handcuffs and I was like, I started like crying because like I thought I would never see my dad again. Whenever he had to go to court and that he would have faced 20 years in prison. I tried to get away from that pain. So I started hanging around with other people and they, they brought me into drugs and I, like, I started doing drugs with them. Like almost every day I would skip class just to do drugs to try to get away from the pain, but it just made things worse. I started to build a hatred for God. I started to blame God for literally everything and that's whenever I started to even fall into Satan's lies, thinking that he would be there for me. When I found about Hope City, it was my aunt and uncle, they invited me and my mom to church. And me, I didn't want to go to church. Even when I would see people like raising their hand, I'd be like, why would you do that, bro? Like this, you look dumb doing it. Like me being messed up, I was like that. When Pastor Jeremy was speaking about God and his love, it just showed me that no one's perfect and that God sees you as just his child. They were giving out prayer books. I saw that a prayer about um, God being there for us. And then when I got home, I put it to the side. I started to feel like guilty and I felt like I wanted to go back, but I felt like I wasn't good enough to go back for him. I was even hit like hitting up like plugs for like, for for high doses of drugs. I was close to ending things. 
and I had the pills in my hand and I remembered that prayer about God's love, God's forgiveness, that he doesn't care about my past. And so when I saw that prayer book in the side, I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I said that one final prayer. I was like, God, if you're really there, forgive me, please. I'm sorry for doing this, but I just can't do this life no more. And I felt God speaking to me, that saying that it's not over yet. And I said yes to him finally, completely. Whenever I was watching the service that they were bringing Hope City back, I was really excited. I was like, let's go. Finally, I get to be experience this. I, I want to experience God's atmosphere with other people that love him. I got like chills. And when they started singing, I started to raise my hand. I started singing and I started crying. They talk about baptism, water baptism. I was like, mom, you got to come over here. I'm excited. I'm about to get baptized. I was stepping into the water. My mom was watching. And I went, once I went down, felt that water and came back up. And I raised my hand because like, I'm, I'm new. That's like, I can't ever forget that day because that's the best day of my life because God really, gosh, bro. Because God really did change me. When I was a person that rejected him, he picked me up again and, and made me his child. Grew a stronger relationship with God. I got to know God more. I got to be around people who love God more. I thought Hope City was just like a church. But now Hope City is like a family.